to love the Lord and to know him as I have come to know him to the point where I'm like, man, I cannot but for God. I, like, I can't do anything or accomplish anything outside of him. Like I have, I have my all in him. And I know that like, man, at, the older I get, I guess the more sentimental I get. Nobody told me that. Nobody, shame on people that are older than me, that they didn't inform me that the older you get, the more sentimental you get. And the more you're thinking about like, man, my children and my children's children and, and all that. But just know, younger people, that you will get more emotional and you'll think about like, man, what am I leaving behind? What kind of legacy am I leaving behind? Am I leaving a legacy of faith or am I just like, whatever, you know, we're one way in church and one way outside of church. And then I leave my children just confused and, and asking questions and being like, man, you know, but I encourage you, those of you that have children still at home, invest in them, pour into them. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here as well. This ain't got nothing to do with the message, but you know what? I just felt inspired. I felt stirred. I don't know about you, but what an amazing time in worship. Amen. Can we give our worship team a hand? They are amazing. So I'm going to ask you to stand, obviously, because you know what? We're doing Christ aerobics here, or church aerobics, if you will. Um, we're going to turn to the book of Acts, and we're going to be in chapter 2. I know y'all were thinking that we're going to continue in the Revelation, but you know what? I want to reserve that for Bishop because he's all excited about it. I don't want to go in and steal his thunder. So we're going to go ahead and take a, a pause today, and um, we're going we're gonna to be in the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I'm going to be, begin reading from uh, verse 38. When you got to say so, wow, I will wait. I will wait. All right, perfect. Let's go. Said so then Peter said to them, repent, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Instant megachurch. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Say steadfastly. Say it again. Steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, say together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God. We thank you because we know that your very presence is here in this place. As we enter into this time where we talk about your word, dear God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, soften hearts, dear God, that your word may pierce us, dear God, that we may hear what your spirit is saying and that we would respond in faith and obedience, dear God, seeking, my Lord God, to be more like your son. 
Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, don't leave. Go ahead and have a seat. I know usually when I say that, everybody's like, all right, I'm out. See you later. Take care. God bless you. Um, so as I'm reading this, I, I, uh, I'm going to speak a message. The, the title of the message is uh, The Value of a Gospel-Centered Community. All right? And so if, if you don't remember anything, anything, the point that I, wanna, I want you to walk off with, the walk-off point, if you will, is this. In order to image God completely, say completely. Say it again, completely, with some conviction this time. Very good. We need to be active participants within the community of believers. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? In order to image God completely, we need to be active participants within the community of believers. The Bible says that we are image bearers, right? We were made in the image of God. If we look back in the book of beginnings, if we look back in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26, we see God abiding in community, right? We see, we see him say, let us make man in our image, even if we go further back, let's go further back. Let's go back to like the beginning, beginning, like chapter one. Everybody knows Genesis 1, 1, right? And if you don't, then you're going to know it today. Genesis 1, 1 says in, it's easy to find because it's at the beginning. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit said the spirit. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. Then God said, right? Jesus is the word, is he not? So God said, let there be light, and there was light. So we see, even in the beginning, we see God abiding in community. So he made us in this image. If we look further on in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God even said, it is not good for man to be alone. Some would argue, right? I like being alone. But being alone a long time, that's not good for you. That's how you start thinking about things and making things up in your mind. I mean, you know, it, solitary confinement is crazy, right? And, and it's punishment for a reason. So when we look and we see God saying that it is not good for man to be alone, what does he do in, in Genesis chapter 2? He says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring somebody. And he brought somebody to Adam, right? He said, I will fashion a suitable partner for him. Community. People need to abide together. So I think that we all have this sense inside of us, right? That we need some sort of community. Some sort of like, man, I need, I need to belong somewhere. I think we all have that. So what do we do? I mean, there's bowling leagues for a reason, right? I mean, come on, you know? People have clubs for a reason, you know? If you like to go, you know, to if you like to shoot, you have a gun club. If you like hunting, you go to a hunting club, right? You have all these clubs. Why? Because even if you're not a believer, there's a sense, there's like a need for community. There's an it's in us. That's how we were created. That's how we were created. And so, can I tell you a story? 
Is that cool? Can I tell you a story? Yes? Okay, good. So growing up, my dad was in the military. So I was a, an Air Force brat. So what that means is, you know, that um, we used to move around a lot. So every couple years, we'd go up and we would, we would move somewhere. And man, let me tell you, I hated that. It felt like somebody was tearing my heart out and like transplanting it somewhere else. And if you've ever like trans tried to transplant like plants, you know, the more you go ahead and take it out and put it somewhere else, or take it out and put it somewhere else, they don't do so well. But you know, it was it was it was terrible. But the one thing is that wherever we moved, the community was the same. Not exactly the same. Obviously, there was different people. But what I mean is that everybody to some degree, was involved with the military. So what would happen is that I would leave from one school and go to another school, right? And it'd be your first day. And they'd, everybody look at you and be like, oh, you're the new kid. It's like, yeah, my name is Aldo. What's your name? And they'd be so-and-so, right? Not literally so-and-so, but, you know, there's a lot of people. Yeah, I met a lot of people. So they would say there now, oh, nice to meet you. Hey, where'd you come from? Oh, I, I was stationed over here. Oh, man, we were stationed over there like... Two years ago, and we also came in. Do you know so-and-so? Did, did you ever go? Community. We were about to identify with each other. By, the, by lunchtime, you had somebody to sit with. Now, how many of y'all been to school, right? You guys been to school? Have you ever been to school? A show of hands. Have you been to school? Yes, great. So good. Okay. So you know how lunchtime is like important, right? You like, you with your tray or with your plate or whatever, and you like looking like, where are my people at? Where are my people at? Where are my people? I need to sit down somewhere, right? So you're looking, you go ahead and sit down with, with some community, with, with your people. So when I moved around, by lunchtime, there was always somebody to sit with, always somebody to chat with, always somebody to have conversation with. Fast forward, my dad retired. So we came here to Florida to live permanently. And it was weird because the first day, nobody talked to me. Nobody even looked at me. I'm like, is there something wrong? Like, what's wrong with me? What happened? I would, talk to, I would try to talk to people. One word answers. Like, I'm like, man, am I invisible? Like, what, what is happening? By lunchtime, I grew concerned because here I am with my tray. Um, okay, I guess I'll just eat here by myself. It was terrible. Fast forward like two weeks. I'm still by myself. I'm like, what is going on? It's so weird. So I said, you know what? I'm going to walk around in the morning. I'm going to walk around, and I'm going to see where I fit. Where's my community? So I wasn't an athlete, so I'm like, no. I wasn't really popular with girls, so no. Yes, I was an ugly duckling. This is terrible. <laughs> I wasn't the swan that you see here before you today. <laughs> Thank you. We won't. I'm just going to go ahead and keep because it's too easy. It's too easy. Um, so I was like, man, where are my people? Where are they? 
So finally, I come around a corner, and I'm Hispanic, right? So I see a bunch of Spanish people. I'm like, wow, what is this place? And it was called the Spanish Corner. That's what, <laughs> that's what it was called. And I got engaged in community, people that were kind of like me. You know, and although I was like, man, I mean, they're not exactly like me, not really, because, you know, I had grown up in the military. These, you know, people usually had come over, first-generation Americans and stuff, and so it was just, but I found people that I could be with. I found people that I could sit with at lunch. I found community, and you know what? After a few weeks, I felt like I belonged. I belonged somewhere. So every morning, I had somewhere to go. At lunch, I had people to sit with. And to chat with and to talk to. It's crazy. Community is community is important. And it's funny because we see in this first community with Adam and Eve, we see that sin brought brokenness into that community. What happened when God started asking questions? Adam said, It Lord, it wasn't me, it was a woman that you gave me. Crazy, right? I mean, do you think that she might have been upset that um, Adam blamed her? I don't know about you, but I would have been kind of mad. I'd be like, what? We were in this. You were complete. We talked about it, and we agreed we were going to do this together. Did we not? And now you want to blame me? Oh, now it's my fault, right? There was an argument in that house that night. Adam was in the doghouse. I guarantee that. During 2020, many of us experienced what it was like to live without much community. It was tough. I mean, you know, maybe for the first week or so, you'd hang out, you know, doing your thing or whatever. You're like, oh, this is nice, quietness. But after a while, you're like, man, I, I, like, I want to go hang out. Mm, sorry, can't hang out. Man, I remember being in my connect group, and we tried. We were trying to go ahead and do the Zoom calls and stuff, and we are trying to go ahead and, 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 like, fight to fellowship, to be with one another. It was tough. It was hard. After a few weeks, we were like, man. I mean, I remember just, you know, and I was still going to work. You know, I was still hanging out with my family and stuff, but, man, I needed, I needed to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I needed that. Community. 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 I forgot to have you guys repeat the first point after me. I'm so sorry. The first point was, as image bearers, we were created to abide in community. I think I went ahead and conveyed that, right? I kind of killed that point right there. All right, so let's move on to the second point, right? Point number two, our personalities, say our personalities, personalities. must succumb to the call into gospel-centered community. You might say... To yourself, self, I like to be alone all on my own. You might be that kind of person that, you know, you're a bit of a lone wolf. You, you know, you by yourself just roaming out there. You know, I ride alone. <laughs> I don't know. People say that, Banos. People say that, okay? So... In, in, at Core Faith, we believe that Connect, right? Core Connect was designed with you in mind for you to belong, right? So 
what we do is we start off in this rooted experience. And in this experience, we dig into what it means to live in community, what it looks like to be part of a gospel-centered community. It's so funny because the first meeting, every time I, I got to go through it with, uh, with um, a group that was meeting on, uh, on Tuesday nights uh, with, uh, with our brother Alex Schenker. And so it's funny, the first night, everybody's kind of sitting there looking at each other. Nobody says much, nobody. By like the fourth session, like there's inside jokes, they're talking to each other, they're sharing things, they're, they're coming together. And I'm like, man, it is so amazing. When we get around each other, right, how much common ground we can find. And the one thing, the one thing that should unify us no matter what is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? Why? Because we all have our stories, but we all realize at one point in time or the other, right? We all realize this thing, the fact that we are sinners without hope. There is no hope for us. We found a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the hope of the world, who came to this earth, died and lived the perfect life, died as payment for my sin, for that sin debt that I could not overcome. That hopeless situation that I was in, he was the answer. He was the solution. And now I'm trying to live a life to honor him, waiting for him to come back for me, to come back for you. That unifies us. If we can't, if we can't come around anything else, we can come around him. And we should. That should be at the center, at the center, the very reason why we have community, and we get together. Amen? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So sometimes our personalities don't quite jive. I know that comes as a shock and a surprise, and I'm glad that you're sitting down for that one. But it doesn't sometimes. What do you do? You cut people off and keep it moving, right? <laughs> No, we can't. We can't do that, right? Because we're Christian and we're supposed to love. So what do we do? Can I tell you another story? Let me tell you another story. Whether you say yes or no, I'm going to tell you anyway. So there was a brother who was, I just, I couldn't stand that brother. i just be honest with you. Like, mm. To a point where I was like, man, can you, just, can you just shut up, please? I know that's impolite, and I know I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But I'm like, man, I just, can you please shut up? Just obnoxious, loud as all get out. And I'm like, man, does this guy ever shut up? Like, he's so, like, rah, loud, overbearing, rah. I was like, Lord, what's going on? You have to work on my heart because I'm supposed to love my brother's and sisters, I'm supposed to love them. And this guy, I just want to choke him. It's bad. I told you it was bad. Don't look at me like that. I said it was bad. So I was like, Lord, help me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get to know this brother. I'm just going to get to know him. As time progressed, I began to see this brother in a different light. I began to see that this brother was concerned about others. That anything that others needed him to do, man, he was the first one to volunteer. 
the last one to leave. You need to borrow, here, borrow this. Hey, I have that. Here, here you go, here you go. You know what I felt afterwards when I, when I got to know him? I felt ashamed. I'm like, look at that. This is my brother in Christ. Man, why did I act that way? Why? Sometimes we got to see people the way God sees people. And that requires a lot of prayer. Sometimes a ton of prayer. Let's just be honest. Because some people, you're like, oh, I'm looking for it, but I can't see it. I don't see it. Lord, show me. Give me your eyes. (laughs) Help me. But the truth is that we need community. You need community. You have areas in which you need to grow, and that will only happen in community. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. You don't have to turn there, but just write it down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, now we exhort you or encourage you, brethren, warn those who are unruly or insubordinate or idle. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. That only happens in community. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If you're not around people, how are you going to stir up love and good works? It's hard. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Man, that's good. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the day of the Lord, the day that Christ is coming back. Uh, You'll agree with me, right? We're closer today to seeing Jesus' return than we were yesterday, right? That's pretty good, right? That's, like, obvious, right? So we need to do this even much more so. We need to be around each other. We need to come together in community. And not only for your sake, right, but for our sake. We have areas. We have areas in which we need to grow. And that growth will only will not happen without you. So even for those that have that type of personality, we're like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to be here by myself. We need you. We need you. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. You're part of that one another. What God is revealing in you, the experiences that you have walked through, the things that he is talking to you in your quiet time with him, we need to hear that. You are the difference. When we are together, we are stronger. When we are together, we are more effective. When we are together, we image God more accurately. I used to love my, the, the connect group that used to meet um, on Saturday mornings. And we had like a mix of young people and some older folks and stuff. You know what, what the amazing thing is about having older folks in your connect group? That when you're going through things as a young parent, When you're going through things like at the beginning of your career, they're at the tail end of that. So they they can show you and tell you and testify of the fact that God will see you through. There is light at the end of the tunnel. It will get better. God is not going to leave you. Amen. 
I mean, that is so encouraging, especially as somebody who is starting out. Man, we need people like that. We need that encouragement. We need to hear that. And you know what? On the flip side of that, it's a joy for our older members, right, to see when you're starting out and being like, wow, man, that was, it was an exciting time, you know? I remember when I went through it. I remember when my kids were, were, were that age, tugging on my apron springs, and now they're tugging on my heart strings, you know? I remember... I remember. That's encouraging. We are all needed. My last point. Say reconciliation. But say it with some conviction. Come on now. Reconciliation Reconciliation. is incomplete incomplete. when it is exclusively vertical vertical. and selectively horizontal. horizontal. What does that mean? I love God with all my heart. And I love some of his church. (laughs) Uh, So when we love God, God God is amazing, right? He is amazing. Every time I think about when I think when I dig into his scriptures, I'm like, God, you really are amazing. Like I'm convinced all over again how amazing he is. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19 through 22, it speaks of God. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. God provided a way for us to love him. He renewed and reestablished that connection that we can have with him. We can boldly go before him, not because of our merit, but because of Christ's merit alone. We have access to him. So that vertical relationship... Boom, it's a thing. Jesus Christ is our high priest, right? He makes intercession for us. Continuing in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Isn't that amazing? When we pray, we don't pray to somebody who doesn't have a clue what we're going through. We pray to one who understands, who lived through the weaknesses of being human. But in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. There's a difference right there. He was tested in all points and he was without sin. We're tested in all points and we're like, oh, yes, that sounds good. <laughs> let me partake, let me dab a little bit of that and I'll have a little bit of that over there and maybe some of that over there. Man. Without sin. So we have a high priest. He secured a connection with the Father for us. Amazing. Now, horizontal, right here. The horizontal. We cannot be selective with the love for our fellow believers. Although we want to be. And I listen, I know, I get it. It's easier to love some people than it is to love others, right? 
Some people you like click, like, oh, hey, that's my brother, Christ. Other people you're like, I don't know that guy. I, I don't, I have, who? Describe him to me. No, no, I don't know him. I don't know, I don't know. He's sitting right next to you. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen him before. Horrible. 1 John 4, 20 through 21 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Oui. Those are some hard words, right? He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment, say commandment. It didn't say advice, right? It didn't say suggestion. No, it didn't say that. It said commandment. We have from him, capital H, from God, right? From him, God. That he who loves God must, say must, must love his brother also. That's hard, right? And it's impossible, but Christ. See, sometimes we try to love people on our own, right? Try to go ahead and conjure it up. Try to go ahead and be like, all right, let me, let me try to go ahead and build it up so that I can love this person. It's not like that. It's not like that. We have to love people out of the abundance of the love that we receive from God. If you're not spending time with him, your, your character is going to be a little off, right? Your patience, mm, what patience? Your willingness for long-suffering with your brothers. I've experienced it. Man, when my prayer life is not on point, nothing else is on point. I am short-tempered. I blow up. For those of you that don't know me, yes, I have a temper. The Lord is trying to work things out in me. I do. And it's horrible. But I have confidence in him. He's going to work that out. In here, the word hate, because I looked it up, I was like, man, hate. It means to love less. Like, if you're like, don't consider other people, you're like, ah, no. I don't, pref I don't prefer that person. And what is the difference between us and the world? Because let me tell you, in the world, people that are, you know, they're cool with one another, they're, they're cool with one another, right? But if they don't like you, man, you're done. You're discarded. You're not part of their community anymore. But as Christians, right? We're part of the same family. We are commanded to love one another. It's not suggestion. It's a commandment. This kind of love is not a, a mental ascent alone, but it is from the heart. Sometimes we want to go ahead and just love. Yes, I love you, brother. If you need me, I got you. But where's your heart? Because remember, this is not about your mind alone. This is a heart condition. And that's hard because I don't see your heart. But you know who does? God sees your heart. And I might not see your heart on the surface, but let's get into some community. Let's, let's go ahead and get, get around each other. How about we work together? What happens when, you know, I, I 
do something to make you mad, right? I drop something or I, I tell you I'm going to do it, but I, I didn't come through. What does that look like in community? Do you still love me? Are you willing to come and work it out with me? Or are you going to discard me? That's tough, right? That's tough. Our love for one another is a testament to the power of the resurrection. We can love one another because Christ gives us the power to love one another. In community, that is where it's displayed. It's easy to love people you're never around. <laughs> I love you. You're amazing, right? I'm never around you. It's great. I pray for you. You can pray for me. Yeah, please do. But when we get around each other, mm, mm. <laughs> let me tell you, I love my wife. And I loved her from even before we got married. But we, when we moved in together and we, we abided together in community, there were some things that she learned about me that, you know what, she didn't like. And there were some things that I learned about her that I'm like, ah, but why? But why? But we made a commitment, did we not? Said we were going to love each other. We said that we were going to work this thing through. And because of that, we did. Praise the Lord, right? I'd be lost without you, girl. I love you. Ding. Um. John 17, verses 21 through 23, it says, Jesus praying. This is Jesus praying. This is Jesus Christ praying. Now, let me go ahead and preface this. Before this, Christ was going and, and praying for his, his apostles and all that stuff. Now, he shifts over here and makes a prayer even more broad. It says, I do not pray for these alone, the apostles, right? I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is us. Jesus Christ, think about this. Jesus Christ prayed for you. Don't you get excited when, like, you know, a pastor, somebody with a name prays for you? Like, oh, man, so-and-so prayed for me. So Jesus, right, the name above all name, the prince of peace, the king of glory, right, he prayed for you. What did he say? He said, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they will be, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world, say the world, the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me have, and have loved them as you have loved me. When we are not together in community, when we are not as one, we go against what our Lord and Savior has prayed for. 
That's rough stuff, right? Jesus prayed that we would be one. He prayed that we would be one. Sometimes we find ourselves just focusing on what separates us. And granted, there are differences, things that, you know what, that we're not going to agree on. But do we love one another enough to still come together? To be committed to saying, you know what, our personalities might not mesh well, but Christ has loved me even when I was unlovable. And he's loved you too. And you're maybe more unlovable than me, but even still, we're both at a point where we were unlovable, and he yet, yet he still loved us. Let us strive to love one another, to be one in community. And I know, sometimes it looks different nowadays. We have to contextualize it. We have to fight for it. Usually when God commands something, it's not because it comes natural to us. <laughs> it's not because it's easy. It's because we need to rely on his strength to be able to do it, to be able to be successful, to be able to accomplish it. So we need to recognize that we need to stop trying on our own and rely on him to get it done. Here are my closing questions. Are you part of a gospel-centered community? In light of, of what you heard, if not, why not? Why not? And if you are, are you inviting others into that community? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, dear God. We thank you, my God, for your sacrifice for us. Were it not for your blood, we wouldn't be here today. I pray, dear God, that as we think about community, that we would think about your sacrifice, how you have made it possible to have true community, dear God. A group of believers, dear God, that are thankful for your sacrifice and as a response to what you've done for us, that we strive not just to love you and be obedient to you, but to love our brothers and sisters, our fellow family members, my God. Help us to be actively involved and engaged in the community that you have called us to be in. There's a million excuses, dear God but help us to focus on the reason you have called us to be in community, dear God, that we would image you more accurately and that through our community, through our love for one another, it would be an example to the world of the love that you have for them. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Put your hands together for Jesus in this place. He is amazing.